Hello, and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And joining me today for the very first time is author, pastor, counselor, Dave Dietz. Uh, Dave, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me on today. So we're going to be talking about your book, your new book, uh, When Men Have Miscarriages, which is a great little book. It's a, it's a little book. It's an easy read. Well, I don't know if I call it an easy read because the subject matter is not an easy thing to go through. Um, but it's not a complicated, not, I can't even say complicated because there are, there are certain chapters. To some, you know what? It's a small book. We're going to just going to stick with that. <laughs> there you um, go. But Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Just introduce our, yourself to our, uh, our listeners, to you know, both of them. And you yeah. kind of walk through uh, just your testimony, how you came to know the Lord, and um, you know you, you've you've served in different capacities in ministry up until now. So, kind of tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Northern Illinois. I got saved when I was four years old. My mom led me to the Lord. Grew up in church. Was in church all my life. Uh, you know, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And um, Christian school, so church was our life. And uh, uh, went off to uh, college. I originally planned to study pre-med, but then God got all of my heart. And I probably knew that he wanted me to be a pastor, And uh, but I wasn't really excited about that. And so I um, changed my major to Bible, finished out as a Bible degree, and um, I served as a youth pastor and uh, a lay youth pastor in northern Indiana, a, a youth pastor in New Mexico. We did deputation for a couple of years ago to Italy. Our son had some health issues that wouldn't let us go and then served as an associate pastor in Denver and then a lead pastor in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, now I serve as the vice president of ministries for IBL, the Institute of Biblical Leadership. And so we do coaching, consulting, counseling, training for church leaders, both here in the U.S. and also around the world. We have a pretty intensive training program in majority world countries. And so we stay very busy, stay very active uh, traveling and, and helping uh, church leaders. So that's a that's a very quick nutshell of my uh, 45 years of existence. So, All right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you and I were Baptists and we have a similar background from from just kind of chit chatting before the recording. And uh, as Baptists, we, we don't hold to a doctrine of purgatory. But no. I'm wondering if working with Joel Tetro is somewhat akin to that. Well, uh, some people wonder how I do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we, we all have been given uh, burdens to bear, and uh, apparently Joel is my burden. But uh, no, he's actually uh, he actually is a great guy. Uh, we we work really well together. We actually compliment. Uh, you know, he'll always talk about I'm the you know I'm the black and white kind of tail like it is, and he's the you know warm fuzzy want to give you a hug yeah. and a kiss kind of guy. And so uh, yeah, we we actually do well. Uh, love Joel and and uh, his ministry, but. <laughs> Yeah, I That's interviewed him yeah, for a podcast a while back about his book on, on leadership and um, oh, yeah. a little bit of time together in Rockford. He had a layover, I think, in Chicago one night. And so he came to our church and preached and took him out to dinner after, had a little bit of fun with him. Uh, so yeah. He, yeah. So I thought we'd make a connection here. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we love anybody who knows Joel loves Joel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we love him. So. So I hope he's listening to this podcast right now. And I can't imagine why he wouldn't. I, I, he, he tells me he listens to it regularly. He just yeah. can't wait. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're talking about your book, When Men Have Miscarriages, Finding Hope Amidst Silent Pain. 
it's a really interesting topic because I, um, you and I haven't met before. And uh, this is actually how I, I came in contact with you. I was on Facebook and a mutual friend posted this. I thought, wow, that, the title just grabbed me right away um, because that's something that we don't talk about. First off, we don't talk about miscarriages to begin with. Um, we, it, it's something that many families, many couples, many people struggle through, um, but we don't talk about it. And then if we do talk about it, we're not talking about how men process this. And so that really, that really interested me. And so while I haven't gone through that, um, I bought the book and I thought, this is, this is going to be helpful. This is going to help a lot of people. And so I wanted to let our listeners know, and you were gracious enough to come on the podcast and and talk about it. Um, So let's talk about first, we'll define our terms here. And right at the beginning of the book, you kind of, um, you're quoting here, miscarriage is the loss of a baby before the 20th week of pregnancy. Medical term for miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion, but it is an abortion the common meaning of the term. As many as 50% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage most often before a woman misses a menstrual period or even knows that they're pregnant. And so I didn't realize before reading this book um, how common this is. Right. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why we, we we don't talk about it. Um, so let's, let's start there. Um, how, how do we as a church begin to break that silence? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it is there's always a dual responsibility. For one, there's a responsibility of men to talk about it. And there's a responsibility of pastors, shepherds, leaders to talk to men about it. And so I think over the course of time, it's just, and I, I, this is what I highlight the, towards the beginning of the book, is this matter of, of we don't know how in the world to process it. It's a, weird, it's a weird thing that we go through, and we don't know how to process it. And so the best thing, not the best thing, the easiest thing for us to do is just to act like it doesn't happen. Right. And, and I think in my experience, what I found is most pastors don't have a clue. Yeah. Uh, how to deal with it. Even even the ones that have gone through it, some of them are still going through their own grieving process themselves. They haven't dealt with it themselves. And so it's like it's it's to the to the point of the statistic if 50 percent of miscarriage if 50 percent of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Uh, there's a lot of people that are dealing with this. But I think it's like we all just kind of stare at each other and nobody knows what to do, how to make the first move. And um, you know, that was, that, and that's kind of what I, I mentioned in the, in the background section is I, this wasn't even something I wanted to talk about. It was, it was something that clearly God, um, you know, kept prompting and opening doors and having conversations with people and finally just, okay, fine, I'll get it done. And um, so I, I don't know, to fix it in the church, I think, and that's kind of what I think on the back of the book, I just talk about, you know, I'd like to move this conversation forward with grace to make it okay to talk about and to make it okay to deal with. And it hasn't been okay to talk about and, and people don't know how to talk about it and guys don't know how to talk about it. And so we just, we act like it doesn't happen. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And therefore people aren't being shepherded through this. Exactly. Yes. And that's why in the, and I don't know what all the questions you'll have, but if I get ahead of your question, sorry, but uh, that's why in the back of the, in the back of the, the book, I put that addendum for pastors just to say, 
you know, let me just give you, and that's not even exhaustive, but let me just give you some things as pastors you need to be thinking about and you need to be doing to, to prompt a guy to get into the conversation. So, um, yeah, that's, it's a challenging thing. And it's like, everybody's aware that it's going on. It's the elephant in the room. Everybody knows that, wow, it probably is out there. Uh, but nobody wants to share it and talk about it. I'm amazed as I've gone through this project, um, how open guy. it's almost like um, them reading this book gives them permission to now talk about it. Yeah. And, and that's been an interesting, just even in the beginning stages of getting this out there, um, it's almost like they now have permission. Somebody has told them, you know what, go ahead and talk about it. It's okay. And so, you know, if you look at the reviews that have already shown up on Amazon, um, where the book is, is being sold, uh, you know, very, um, personal raw, um, comments that are being made. And I think it's just scratching the surface for guys. So well, walk us through your journey here, because this is not just an academic issue for you. Um, right. this is something that you've, you've gone through personally, uh, a number of times and, and it took you many years to get to a point where you could actually write about it and, and begin to, uh, open the conversation. So, so walk us through your journey. Yeah, I really started, uh, 2001 was our first miscarriage. Uh, my wife and I had been married maybe two and a half years. And, um, that was our first miscarriage. That was really rough. Um, we had, uh, two other ones that occurred, um, after our oldest son, Caleb was born in 2003. Um, they were very, they were kind of, they fit that definition. They happened, you know, probably six weeks, eight weeks. I mean, I don't even know if I was even aware that my wife was pregnant or maybe just become aware and um, and then, you know, lost the baby. And the very, um, I mean, I hate to use this word flippantly, but, you know, very, um, you know, uh, very inconsequential type of thing as far as her, her length of pregnancy and that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then, of course, our, the, the fourth uh, miscarriage we had, uh, that would have occurred in um, 2006, and that was um, uh, the twin that we had. And uh, so God brought us through all of those. Uh, my my response to all of it was, it's not an issue. Don't talk about it. Don't deal with it. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear it. Uh, hear from you about it. Uh, everybody's got problems. This is just one of your problems. It's not a big deal. And um, it, it really wasn't until, and I, I've I, I, I've every year when I was pastoring in Michigan, I would preach on uh, sanctity of human life Sunday. I'd preach some kind of message. And my last message I preached before uh, the year we, we transitioned out, I uh, preached, I gave basically preached this testimony. And uh, uh, my son, my son, Andrew, is the reason why I even had to deal with this, because as a father to him, I had to deal with it and help him through it and talk him through it. And by default, then I actually had to deal with it, which I tried to just keep it sterile and say, you know, son, I'll help you as a dad. And by default, I had to wind up dealing with it. And so I think that's why it took so long. Um, and basically going through a journey with him and uh, going through that process with him. And then, you know, just getting to the point where I had dealt with it, kind of, maybe not really, um, but then dealing with it as a pastor. And, you know, really that's kind of, what I mentioned at the very, the, the whole impetus behind the book was uh, from a pastoral standpoint, it's trying to shepherd somebody in our church. And, um, you know, the comment that she made was, you know, somebody should write something on this because she asked if there was any, anything out there. I said, no, there, there's not. It's like the, un, it's like the thing everybody knows. There's no, nobody's going to talk about it and there's nothing out there. 
So right. it doesn't exist. And so, um, you know, just really being confronted with, you know, why wouldn't I write something on this topic? That certainly was not coming from me because I I'm not like, hey, let me write a book. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it was definitely something that was prompted by by the Lord to do so. Well, let's talk. You mentioned Sanctity of Life Sunday and uh, you, your book comes out at an interesting time. Uh, Roe v. Wade has just been overturned. And <laughs> right. uh, you and I are both are both very pro-life, it sounds like. Yep. And uh, so life in the womb is just that. It's, it's life. And I've, I've met several women who have lived with guilt and shame over miscarriage because yep. they were concerned that people would just think that was an abortion. And you yeah. kind of address this in the book about right. uh, what happens. Can talk to us a little bit about that because there's a lot of the pushback we're getting from the pro-choice crowd is that, listen, if, if we outlaw abortion, uh, women who have miscarriages are going to die. Uh, women who are having difficult pregnancies are going to die. And mm -hmm. so there's now an additional stigma here that right. church kind of has to wrestle through. So how do we approach that? Yeah. And I think it's an interesting time. Like you say, I, you know, I started this, you know, really seven years ago, this journey on writing this thing, of course, and it goes back to like I say, 2001 was our first miscarriage. So 20, you know, 21, 22 years that we've been dealing with this. And, and it's ironic. It was so funny to me when I really kind of put two and two together and I had chosen the topic of the title when I started seven years ago, I chose the title. And um, it wasn't a big deal seven years ago. And then to publish it almost, almost like yeah. it, it came together. And I was looking at this. In fact, I had a couple of people write me and said, we're, we're deeply offended by this title. Do you not understand gender? Do you not, you know, are yeah. you just catering to this wokeism? And I'm like, actually, I do understand the title. I think it's theologically accurate. Let's redeem the title and let's be confident in the title. But I think as a church, you know, to your, your question about miscarriage and abortion and how all that's going to play out. I think there, you know, to me, where I would go naturally is the sovereign hand of God yeah. that is at play in the life of a woman and her body. And, um, and, and to be able to, um, you know, like I talk in the book about the DNA versus the DNC and, um, and those types of things. And even what we went through, how we were pressured, that was 2001. Yeah. How we were pressured to to do this and, in, in, you know, in basically an abortive procedure, um, you know, let's just go next door and we'll just suck it out. It's just it's yeah. not a problem. And um, so I think for for, uh, you know, dealing with it in the book, trying to give hope to people, trying to also give um, uh, an, understand, an understanding to those that maybe have done that. They've gone next door and sucked it out and they, they you know, it was an abortive procedure. Um, to know how to deal with that guilt, to know how to deal with that shame, to be able to say, you know what, God's love is consistent and he cares about us and he, he works in us. I never would have thought about it from the standpoint of an abortion type of scenario in the moment. Yeah. Um, in the moment, it's, it's crazy and it's surreal. And, and then the medical world was extremely quick to make this decision and, um, you know, and of course, like we highlight there in the first chapter of, of going against the medical professional 
uh, advice and to be able to, to say, we're going to wait. And that was counsel from my mom, who had been a nurse for 40 years, to just let the body naturally take care of it. And, um, and yet at the same time, presenting the issues like are presented there in chapter one about you know, what are the risks? What are the dangers? What, what do we need to have? And, and really to say, let's stop and have intelligent, calm, rational conversations in the moment. Let's, let's do what is right. Let's do what is appropriate. Not don't rush decisions. Decisions do not have to be rushed. And so um, it's, it's a hard thing. And I know, you know, I know people personally that, um, have struggled through that. They have made the decision to, you know, they made the decision in that moment to, to quote unquote, take care of the baby and uh, the guilt that they live with. And, and especially from a, you know, more conservative Christian bent where that has such stigma and it does, and no one's, you know, saying that that doesn't have stigma, but um, to feel like they almost had, you know, basically an abortion or they, they uh, made that choice to have that try to just counsel them. Um, to have an understanding of, you know, making a decision in ignorance uh, versus an actual abortion where I'm going to go to a clinic, I'm going to actually, you know, make this choice in the in the drama, crazy, surreal moment of the doctor's office, when your life can come crashing down in in literally seconds, um, for the woman, especially. And so just counseling them on how do they appropriately deal with that guilt and that shame. And, um, you know, one of the one of the ministries that we were involved with in Grand Rapids, it, it's really connected to the whole story of what we went through. But um, it's a it's a whole ministry that's that's uh, geared towards helping women post abortive uh, women. And um, I, I mean, I'll just be honest. And this was my struggle. This. So this you're going to get the real raw version right now. Uh, my my big struggle was Andrew, my son, who. He, he was, he, my wife would take him down there. He loved the ministry. He's probably 10, 11 at the time. Uh, he, he loves the lady that runs it. She's one of the godliest, sweetest ladies. And um, there's a memorial in, in downtown Grand Rapids. And it's a memorial for those that are post-abortive who, um, you know, part of their grief, part of their dealing with it. They, they name their baby, they etch it in stone in this memorial and it's there permanently in Grand Rapids. And, um, and my son, Andrew, uh, went to her and he said, I, I would like to remember my sister. He, you know, he declared her gender. He declared, um, you know, uh, without, you know, my issue was he didn't consult me. I'm the dad. It's my daughter. It's my child. We didn't know what the, the sex of the baby was. And uh, he, on his own, uh, talked to her. I mean, him, my wife was there. He had she, her blessing. But having her name written in a stone wall in downtown Grand Rapids next to women who had had their babies' names post-abortive, I really didn't deal with that well. I mean, I really did not deal with that well. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's not in the book necessarily, but I, the day that, that that name was revealed, I didn't go down there. My wife and my son did, and I refused to go down there. That's just where I was emotionally and um, uh, finally, one day, um, dark, kind of dreary, cold day in winter of Grand Rapids, I, I went down and uh, just stood there about five o'clock in the evening and stared at that name and uh, seeing seeing her name wow. in the stone. And that's honestly, that's when I think I became OK with pursuing this project. It's in yeah. my mind. That's kind of where I became OK with. OK, let's let's deal with this.
Well, I think one of the other you talk about stigmas. Um, one of the things that make this cut this this whole conversation difficult. First, the the abortion asset, but second, and you you mentioned this in the book, we have, and I don't think this is a bad thing, but we have an emphasis within our conservative Christian circles about the importance of family. We believe mm-hmm. that uh, marriage is important. We believe that it, the, the God's will for most people is to be married and to reproduce and have a family. That's how we have uh, dominion over the earth. That's how we were told to be fruitful and multiply. Right. And so um, you're supposed to have children. Right. And um, <laughs> when you go through a miscarriage, you're not having children. You have the excitement of I'm pregnant. This is great. And then is this a punishment from God? What did I do? Right, uh, right. Talk about that issue. Cause you, I think that's, I think my favorite part of this book is how you deal with that topic. Mm. Um, yeah. So that, you know, comes from a belief, like, uh, like I mentioned there, you know, I think I titled God is judging you. Yeah. And, you know, it comes from the passage, blessed is a man who has his quiver full. So it's, it, I don't even know if it's a theologically accurate term, but I gave it a term of the law of converse principles that people apply, yeah. which is if God is blessing you and you have babies, you know, blessed is a man who has his quiver full. If you don't have children, then the only thing we could deduce, because we don't think about it, is that God must be judging you. And it's the simplicity of, cultural fundamentalism, I guess. And it's not just there, it's in other places. But it's it's this simplistic theological thinking, which says, well, if if you're blessed, if you have your quiver full, but if your quiver is not full, therefore, the only thing I could conclude is God is judging you. And, um, you know, and just and how we even walk through that with, you know, with the situation with my wife and and what was said to her, which, you know, you're like, I cannot believe, okay, it's one thing to think it. That's one thing. I'll grant you that. It's another thing to actually voice that in the midst of a trial, you voice that. Um, And so I think there's a lot of people who go through and and that may contribute to part of the silence around this topic is that guys may, you know, maybe they believe it or don't believe it, but they know that that logic is out there. That theological fallacy is out there. And so I'm not going to put myself out there to be crushed by somebody to tell me God is judging you or God is cursing you or whatever the case may be. And so that's a real thing and it's a real issue. And it's not just in miscarriage. It can be in, you know, you know, the car breaks down. Oh, God is judging you. You know, we have such a fatalistic view of God that has been cultivated within some circles. And so um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing to be able to say, okay, there are consequences of sin. There are natural consequences. We're all going to face it in this world. You have troubles take heart. I've overcome the world, our home. And as a believer is heaven. Ultimately it's with Christ. And here on earth, we are going to have struggles. We do deal with infertility. We do deal with miscarriage. We do deal with, with death. It's, it's not because God is judging us because we, you know, didn't go to church last week. It's, it's dealing with um, a right view of who God is a right view of our situation, our circumstances. And so um, yeah, I think if, if somebody may be listening and they, they're familiar with that or they've come through that, you know, I think I would just say, listen, just because you've had even I mean, I know we've got people that have had scores of miscarriages and they're devastated emotionally because they have this view or somebody's told them 
And so they're almost just weighted under this, this judging wrath of God view. And I would say nothing could be farther from the truth. God can give grace in the midst of these trials and situations. And, and um, you know, if somebody is being quiet or silent in their pain because they're, they're, they're thinking this way, then I would say, please get some help to, to have the right view of God. Um, because this is not, I mean, this is not what God is doing. And, um, that's something I never really, that was not an element that I personally struggled with. I struggled with other things, not like I was perfect, obviously. Um, but I never really struggled with like, oh, God is judging me until, you know, and then when that lady told my wife that I'm like, who, who says that? I mean, I know people believe that I grew up in a, you know, circle that would have cultivated that, but, um, it was very difficult for people to navigate. Well, we're going to end on that note, unfortunately, but we haven't even scratched the surface here of this issue or, or even this book. But yeah. I think there's one thing I, I want people to walk away from this podcast thinking is it's time to break the silence. Yeah. It's time to speak up. And um, a good way to start that conversation is your book, uh, When Men Have Miscarriages, Finding Hope Amidst Silent Pain. And uh, buy this, put it in your church library, buy a couple copies. Um, pastors, again, it's, there's a great addendum here at the end of the book um, for you. And really, it, it's, I think this book would be helpful for anybody um, yeah. going through this. But yes, geared toward men and, and husbands. So step up, buy the book. We'll have the link on, uh, on our uh, show notes. So uh, Dave, thank you so much for, for taking the time and coming on the podcast here. No problem. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for for having me on and, um, you know, be glad to, to do anything in the future. If anybody's got any questions or wants further things, uh, discussion about it, I'm happy to engage with them. And, uh, thank you for what you're doing. All right. We're going to take you up on that offer. We're going to be back at some point. All right. That sounds good. All right. So check out, don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and uh, join us on the Facebook group would be, be a great uh, place to post some of those questions. And then on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Basic Bible Cast. So until next week, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>